0: Welcome to episode 17 of the Mental Victory Podcast. I think, uh, I think today we'll talk about criminality. Um, it's something that I've never really partaked in, but uh, it's something I've always been interested in. I went to school for criminal justice and uh also had a job where um just dealing with theft property crime people stealing things and uh just kind of preventing that and the effects it has on society whether we like to think about it or not but yeah i think uh a lot of people don't realize even just doing small thefts or small small crimes that the impact it has not only for society but for their own lives right um, it makes it tough it makes it tough like as soon as you start in that direction of life and uh, you know you may get monetary gain here and there for a duration of time but the more and more you do it it will slowly come and find you it'll it always comes around full circle right so um it has an insane effect on your life not only does it help limit you in even getting a job. You know, a lot of employers will do criminal background checks um, and even the kind of job you want. You know, are you going to... Is the the job of your dreams still going to be there if you have a criminal background or are you, like... There's a lot that plays into it, right? And it's not even just going to jail. And think about that. It's, if you go to jail, you're not progressing in life. Actually, if you're not even doing anything, you're actually regressing in life because I think you should always be growing. Um, but it puts a standstill on your development, on your growth, right? Um... yeah the small things and uh it can have a huge impact it can have a huge impact and uh there's a lot of factors that play into why people commit crimes and uh you know I'll I'll go through some of that today and uh just so we all have just a little bit of a better understanding of things but uh yeah, it's always been something that's been um interesting to me, just to understand and um and it depends on where you grow up too. Like it depends on many factors like how who you hang around with, how your parents raised you, um, societal norms, uh that could be Environmental factors like essentially being born under certain circumstances. Like, you know, you could have a parent that drinks, smokes, um, is abusive, uh, leading to kind of like your cognitive behavior, your function function of the mind and but uh, yeah we'll go through some things today but first of all we'll figure out what is crime variation in crime rates of crime and incarceration across countries suggests that there are differences in the definitions and or tolerance of crime these factors include individuals motivation opportunity politics social convention and context Types of definitions typically include legal, moral, social, psychological explanations. Legal refers to acts prohibited by the state and punishable under the law. Moral refers to the violation of norms in religion and morality that are punishable by the supreme beings. By supreme beings, not the supreme beings. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Yes, aliens. But no, social refers to the violation of certain norms and customs that are punishable by the community. And uh, psychological refers to acts that are rewarding to the perpetrator but harmful to others. So that kind of gives you a little, kind of a little insight into what crime is. And I think, like, back in the day, you know, 200 more years ago, uh, that in England, all serious crimes were subjected to capital punishment. So if all felons had, in fact, been executed, England would have lost most of its male population. (laughs) So think of that. It's insane. So to save fellow citizens from the gallows... Juries refused to convict, and judges invented or expanded defenses for serious charges. So, there's many defenses that uh, you know. When I was taking some law classes, it's interesting. Interesting to see kind of how defense lawyers are able to either um, limit the charges on. Those that they're defending, or like get away with such acts. And uh, if you look at the history of, and especially as a lawyer, if you look at the history of um, defense or like court proceedings, you can see what prior judges ruled for certain committed acts or similar committed, committed acts. And so you can kind of see, uh, for whatever was done, you can kind of see the, uh, the outcome, right. And you can kind of use that as a, a precedence for law itself. But yeah, just kind of reading through, reading through some of these, uh, been kind of insightful you know a lot of the things that you read about when you went to school you sometimes you forget or sometimes you'll even your brain will remember but only through certain you know conversations or whatever whatever you're thinking about the time it's uh but to recall all the information that you learned over your your time at school is is difficult. (laughs) Sometimes you surprise yourself on what you remember, but uh, there's a lot of developmental risk factors as well to to delinquency. So when you're thinking about how to limit your your activity in crime and... uh, you can kind of see or you can kind of understand why people do the things they do. And sometimes you'll you'll look at the news days in and days out and you'll be like, what the hell? Like, why does somebody do that? And it blows my mind. But uh, yeah, here are a couple social risk factors. So poverty, early peer rejection. Association with the antisocial peers, inadequate preschool childcare, inadequate after school care, academic failure. So, those are things bringing people's lives down, right? It's, uh, yeah, it can be tough. It can be tough for, uh, especially in the environment that you grew up in, like where I work. It's the very kind of like poverty-stricken society, right? It's the people that struggle the very, very most in society. And uh, the temptations leading to crime are very, very easy for one person to do as... Money and addictions, or lack of money, and the, f- the factor of addictions poses temptation. Right? Um, I see it all the time. People, you know, yeah. You people come to the door, like they'll come and visit drug dealers in the in the place, and uh, you know, to get drugs, and uh, you know. If they haven't made contact with that individual prior to them showing up, we have to kind of, you know, they kind of got to do that. It never used to be that. We used to just, like, call them, get them to come to the door, and then we can sign them in. But now it's very much like uh, you're going to have to make arrangements prior, and uh, you'll have people that are coming in and out of the place will get that individual to go knock on the door or... The drugs that they were needing in the first place that individual may um can make money easily from just kind of dealing drugs <laughs> so your environment and your situation does play a huge factor and uh, it's just kind of an instance i noticed but yeah there's also parental and family risk factors so single-parent household, permiss- permissive or lax parental style, minimal parental monitoring, parental psychopathology, physical and emotional abuse and neglect, domestic violence and or substance abuse, antisocial siblings. So especially when you're you're stuck in an environment as such, growing up, and uh, it's all you know of, and it could be violence, it could be drug abuse and uh, or just the way that your parents brought you up, you know you could be neglectful, it could have you at home while they're out and about doing whatever, and, like, there's no supervision. There's no consequences to their actions. There's no discipline. And, you know, that can be a tough thing to bring up and can be a tough, especially with single-parent households and uh, people trying to even just make a living and surviving. You know, it can be tough. So psychological risk factors, lack of empathy... Attachment disorder, animal cruelty, cognitive and language deficiencies, low IQ scores, ADHD, CD, ODD. So, yeah, that's a little bit for you, but, um, Genetics that's that can play contributing factor to why people act the way they do, especially in a violent manner and uh, I think the more and more we all can kind of understand things and this is just a a brief synopsis of kind of the psychology and what leads individuals to act the way they do, but uh, yeah, I think it's worthwhile to kind of dive into this and uh, have some basic understanding of why people act the way they do, but uh, yeah, it has a huge, huge factor, you know, especially when it, if you do... hang out with people that act a certain way. And the way I look at it, and I've heard others that say the same thing, that you're basically the representation of the five people you hang around with the most. So if they're, especially in like gangs and things like that, like if they're committing crimes and they're doing this and that, you're probably more than likely to adopt a certain like-minded light uh, mindset or carry out such actions that they do as well. So picking your friends wisely and uh, your surroundings has a huge, huge impact on and traumas as well, right? Traumas as well has a huge play on why people do the things they do and act and think. So I think today I just wanted to kind of touch base on this and really drive home, like, the importance of, like, your own moral compass, having a good understanding of right and wrong. What you should should do, what you shouldn't do, and uh, I think staying on the track of a good moral compass, you're you're generally gonna have a more peaceful life. You're gonna like say you go to jail. How are you gonna? And you come out of it. You have trouble working. You have trouble integrating back into society. You learned a lot of things that other criminals did while you were in jail, and kind of rubs off onto you. How are you going to explain that to your family, your peers, and even like, right? Say you have a nephew or this and that, then how you it's going to be tough. And I've I've talked with individuals that I work with and uh, the the residents and. They spent a lifetime behind bars and they have trouble understanding how they're going to communicate that to their family who, the younger generations that didn't know their past, right? Or even your future wife, if you, <laughs> if you can get married, but your future partners, right? You got to kind of be honest with things and that's the thing it's hard to be honest with I'm sure with your past but that's the importance the importance of kind of trying to understand why you may do the things that you do and you know seeking help prior to you committing such acts and I know it's not as easy as easier said than done right but um, I think talking about it having a better understanding of crime in this country you know I think men men are definitely doing more violent crimes than women I think uh, I think crime is skewed from like three-fourths of the time it's men, right? But women act more on property crimes like theft and fraud and things like that. But, uh, it's interesting to know the landscape and prevent yourself, right? It's preventing yourself from the horrors that can lead in life being put in a situation you don't want to be in, and uh, I think just talking about it, being open about it, communicating amongst each other about certain things. But, uh, yeah, there's another couple things I found. So... It's comparing and contrasting the consensus and conflict models of criminal lawbreaking. So there's definitely different perspectives when it comes to lawbreaking, and uh, I think it's just interesting to know a little bit of how people view things and different perspectives. But, uh, yeah, the consensus model... So, this assumes that members of society generally agree on what is right and wrong and share the values on which the criminal code is based. Society is viewed as a stable entity in which laws are created for the general good. The law is a mechanism to settle disputes that arise when individuals stray too far from the community considers acceptable. So that's the consensus model. The conflict theorists do not agree that laws exist for the collective good and instead see laws as representing the interests of specific groups that have the power to get them enacted. Conflict theory attempts to identify the forces that selectively decide the conduct should be singled out for condemnation. Usually, so it is claimed to the detriment of the powerless and the benefit of the powerful. Powerful groups maintain their interest by making illegal any behavior that might be a threat to them. Laws thus become a mechanism of control. Society and how how that impacts their criminal behavior their victimization experiences and the way that they're treated by the criminal justice system. Feminists have contributed to the discipline by investigating the way that gender interacts with social class, age, and ethnicity to create different lived experiences for different categories of people. So here's kind of like a breakdown of the different feminist approaches. Liberal feminist approach to the explaining gender differences in crime focused on the importance of gender role socialization. Uh, radical feminist theory locates the causes of crime and victimization experienced by women in patriarchy. Socialist feminist, fe, feminism argues that both patriarchy and Capitalism, are to blame for women's criminal behaviours and the kinds of victimisation they experience. Third-wave feminism, such as standpoint fem- feminism, and post-modernist fem- feminism offers a more inclusive approach that helps female offenders find their voice and access their stories. So there's a little little insight um, and lastly, the the power control theory offers an explanation of the gendered nature of criminal behavior by integrating gender with economic and social stru- structural factors. So there you go. <laughs> um, there are controlling forces in our lives, so... For example, social control theory focuses on techniques and strategies that regulate human behavior and lead to conformity. The influences of family and school, religious beliefs, moral values, friends, and even beliefs about government. Theorists provide explanations by the ways in which historical systemic changes have influenced the nature of society's control over individuals. Responding to social disorganization with delinquent behavior. According to containment theory, every person has a containing external structure, a role in social group with reasonable limits and responsibilities, and alternative means of attaining satisfaction. In addition, Each individual has a protective internal structure that depends on good self-concept, self-control, a well-developed conscience, and a tolerance for frustration, along with a strong sense of responsibility. So just that there alone, I think to kind of like prevent yourself or kind of like keep yourself in check away from criminal behavior. Um, You know, you you should have a protective internal structure that has like, depends on good concept, self-control, understanding your conscience, it's well-developed, and then just being tolerant of frustration and uh, being able to kind of, like, figure out anger, your emotions. And then just being being a responsible adult, right? You know, not all these things necessarily should be said or, you know, but it seems to be in society, like common sense isn't always common, so, yeah, just, yeah, sharing, sharing this, hopefully kind of gives you a little bit of insight into things, and, uh, you know, not all criminal behavior is intentional, right, so, just to get a better um, definition of you know the things that when convicted or under I should say under a trial you know to prove that you're guilty you got to have two things actus reus and mens rea so for actus rea to be made out there must be a voluntary commission of an unlawful act all actions are presumed to be voluntary but the defense can argue that there was no actus reus because the defendant had no voluntary control of his or her actions. This was the case in R v Parks where the accused pretended or presented evidence that he was sleepwalking at the time he killed his mother and father-in-law. The Supreme Court of Canada upheld Mr. Parks' acquittal on the basis that he was not acting voluntarily. Additionally were the offense charged includes the occurrence of a specific result. The fact that those consequences occurred is another element of actus reus. For example, section 222 of the Criminal Code provides that a person commits homicide when directly or indirectly by any means. It causes the death of a human being. Causing death is therefore a necessary requirement for the actus reus of homicide in determining the causation The question we ask is whether, but for the actions of the accused, the results have happened. And the mens rea. Courts presume that criminal defenses or offenses require some form of subjective mens rea, intent, knowledge, recklessness, or willful blindness. In relation to all aspects of the actus reus unless Parliament clearly indicates otherwise. For some offences, Parliament has indicated that mens rea is not required. These are known as strict liability offences. For a strict liability offence, it is not necessarily for the Crown to prove the existence of mens rea. The act itself is the entire offence. If charged with a strict liability offence, the accused may... Advance the offense that they looked they took all reasonable steps to avoid the act An absolutely liability offense is similar, but the accused is not able to advance a defense of this nature so when you're wondering if something is a crime, start with brains and brawn <laughs> and ask if yourself if Criminal intent and criminal action with both present, as we've been, as we've seen. There are exceptions, but it's reasonable place to start. So, there you go. At the fundamental level, um, criminal law is based around a single Latin phrase: "actus non facet reum nisi mens sit <laughs> which translates to "an act does not make." A person guilty unless the mind is guilty. This means that a crime consists of two elements the commission of a guilty act, known as actus reus, and the presence of a guilty mind, known as mens rea. So I think we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) And just like, yeah, it's uh, the end of the day. You don't want to be incarcerated. It's the last thing you want, right? And, uh, yeah, it's the last thing you want. So you've heard it first from me. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not, but maybe so. Who knows? But hope you have a good day and, uh yeah, stay focused. Stay on track. Stay focused and we'll get to where we need to be in due time. So have a great day. Signora.